Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 4, Term 1. This is Lesson 3. All right, I'm going to go back to page 16 just to start off there. But you guys stay where you are. Uh, Remember again, we're dealing with Jesus cleansing the man with leprosy. This all began in Luke 5 and verse 12. And uh, remember one of the key things that happened. And remember again, we, we switched from Luke's account to Mark's account. In Mark chapter 1, verse 41, when the leper says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, it says in Mark one forty one, stretched out his hand, touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And remember again, we talked about God is willing to heal. Amen. And Jesus is always willing. And um, we left off um, at verse 42, where it says, as soon as he had spoken, now I'm on page 21, um, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Following verse 42, in Mark 1 and verse 43, it says, now this is where we left off, it says, And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone. Now the reason that he sent him away was he didn't want to attract too much attention. And this is going to become a problem for him very soon. And he says, See that you say uh, nothing to anyone, which is very difficult, you know, this guy... Um, or as Matthew 8.4 puts it, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, <clears throat> we'll look at all of these things uh, very specifically. Let's, let's look at um, the first thing, the reason why Jesus says to this man, See that you tell no one. All right? Uh, The reason is he didn't want to be primarily known as a miracle worker. Or the kind of person who would be expected to lead a revolt against the Romans in due course. Now that's going to happen, and I've given you a scripture reference down the bottom. In John chapter 6 and verse 15 when we get there, it says, Therefore when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Alright, so he went back to prayer. So... The story is moving towards this now. It began with Jesus. He's got a few disciples. He's praying for people. They're getting healed, left, right, and center. And it was all wow. Then after a little while, they're starting to complain. Well, how come he's healing on the Sabbath day? See, it's funny how people get used to things. You know, first of all, it was miraculous and, and, and just wonderful and awesome, so to speak, that people were getting healed. Now they go past the fact that that miracle is happening and asking why it's happening on the wrong day. Isn't that sad? And now it's going to keep progressing even further. Now, there are two things that are going to start happening here. We're going to start seeing that his popularity is going to keep increasing, which is going to cause him to get offside with the Jews even more, or the religious leaders, not the normal Jews, because the normal Jews are coming in in droves. But there's coming a split more and more, and they're going to start looking for things to level against him. Because the people are no longer probably coming to the synagogue because they're just going to his meetings. Alright? And the other thing is that in him becoming popular, people are starting to see, uh, begin to see him, and uh, as I read that verse, as maybe their way of getting out of the mess that they're in. So can, can you see what's happening here? So the people are starting to pull him in a direction that is not right. And the leadership is starting to attack him, and that's not right either. Okay, so 
now we have a problem both with the people and the leadership. All right, And I want you to sort of notice this because things are going to start happening. The whole reason that all of this is starting to be brought out is because the one question that people were asking is, if he was such a good person, how come he got crucified? So the question is being answered now a little bit at a time. And the way they're answering it is in a very interesting way. It's miracles. You'd think, well, what's wrong with that? Well, you're going to find out. Okay, this is one of, also one of the reasons why I know a lot of times we pray for miracles and we're praying for God to increase that in our church and we know it will happen. But one of the things that we do need to understand is are the tensions that begin. We'll find that people will start criticizing this ministry as time goes on and we're going to see the very things that they said to Jesus, those same spirits are here today. You know, the, you know, the devil doesn't get old. You know that, right? And all the demons and everything else. Okay, in the spirit realm, there is no time. So they're just the same devil that Jesus had to deal with, we got to deal with. And that's the reason why, again, we're studying the life of Jesus. Because the way he dealt with all of it is the way we need to deal with all of it. So we need to know how. We need to know what he did, what he said, why he said some of the things he said. You know, why did he say, don't go and tell anybody? Hmm? Because we need to do the same thing. See, we want everybody to know, don't we? Can I be honest now? We want to say, go tell everybody. Bring everybody here. We need to now watch what's going to happen as a result of everybody knowing. Can we do that? Okay, that's why I always say we need to let God grow this church in His time, in His way. And we must not help. Robert H. Mounts points out, Popular excitement would arouse Roman opposition and make it even more difficult to carry out, listen to this, a messianic ministry that was not national and militaristic, but universal and sacrificial. Did you get that? Okay, so this is, you see, these are the tensions that are starting to happen now. So, because Jesus came, see, He was the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. He came to die for everyone on the planet. That had to happen. He can't start a revolution and go down. Isn't, okay? That's just not how it's going to... If he started a revolution, nobody would defeat him. He walks on water. If he can calm a storm, he can start a storm. Absolutely. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, let me talk to you for a minute. You see, we see Jesus doing the opposite. We see Jesus calming things down constantly. But the same power that calms it down, He was the creator of all things. All things were created by Him and for Him. By Him and for Him. Which means if they were created for Him, and the Roman army was attacking Him, He could very easily call up a sandstorm and just wipe them all out. He doesn't even need people. And if they attack Him by sea... They all drowned. One minute it was calm, and the next minute there was this great storm. Are you all with me? You know, if he, if he ever wanted to do anything, they would have had absolutely no recourse. How do you fight acts of God? I mean, there are things that go so far beyond your ability to deal with them. You call it an act of God, because there's absolutely no defense against it. And here he was. God was there. Okay? So... He wasn't here to do that. He was here to die. He was here to teach, pay the price, and say it is finished. So that all of us could be restored to a place of authority, of power, and where we belong. Amen? Okay, so 
<clears throat> let's move on. Jesus' priority was to do the will, or excuse me, to do the Father's will. And he didn't want anything to get in the way of it. In fact, it is one of the main reasons why Luke says in his account that Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Do you know he had to do that himself to, to keep everything in check as well? See, prayer does a lot of things, you know, you know. And please don't get religious when I say prayer. Okay, I don't want you to think of, okay, now some of you do this and it's awesome. Okay, okay, no criticism. But the thing is, sometimes we, we are looking for those places where if we're not quiet and, and, and we don't have everything exactly right, then we're not praying. Jesus prayed all the time. The Apostle Paul says, pray all the time. Okay, which means it's a communication with God that takes place all the time. And yes, you do need your quiet times. There are times you just need to settle down and, and, and get centered. And do you understand? Okay, and hear that still small voice of the Spirit. And if you're not doing that, I really would advise you, you know, even just before you go to bed at night, when you're in bed, pray for a little bit before you drop off. That you can find a few minutes in your day. There's, there's, you know, there's never a place where we can say, I just don't have any time. You do. You know, some days you're up all night. <laughs> you know, pray, okay? <laughs> um, there's always opportunities to pray. Amen? I do that constantly. That's one of the things that I do when I'm in bed. I just pray. I just think, you know, it's the quickest way to go to sleep. Some days <laughs> I pray a lot. Read into that. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, if Jesus prayed, you need to pray. Listen, he was at the height of his ministry. He was getting everybody healed. He didn't need to go and pray so that he could heal for the next day. Some people have said that, but he didn't. He needed to pray because he needs to find out, God, Father, where are we going next? What's next on the list? And you know, God's talking to him constantly. But he knew he needed those times that he needed to just be alone. The reason I'm saying this is this. Some people, they go into prayer and they, they say, well, it wasn't very restful. That's not what you're going to pray for. You're not going to get some rest. You're going to pray to talk to God. If you get to talk to Him and, you know, sometimes they say, well, I didn't hear anything. Yeah, you did. You just didn't get it. I'm serious about this. And sometimes it'll take a day, two days, a week before you get it. He will always talk to you. Listen to what I'm saying. If you ever go into prayer, He will always... People, I, I constantly get this from people. I went and nothing happened. That will never be the case. It may not have happened in your time, but it's happened. It might take a little while for it to sift through, but it's happened. God has poured. It might take a while for it to get to you. Amen? Depends how, whether your funnel is, is restricted or not. You know, some people are like that. You know, it takes a while for it to get through. You know, have you seen those little sand things? You know, those little hourglasses? Takes a little while. Yeah, you know, other ones are just, you know, you turn it over and it all falls. Oh, that might be you. That, the other guy might take an hour before it goes all through. <laughs> you know, just visualize that. You'll get what I'm saying. All right, so that was a point I want to make. If Jesus needs to pray, you need to pray. When you pray, God will always talk to you. And that's the reason why you pray. Okay, it's, it, it will strengthen you and it will do a lot more than you will ever uh, realize. Next, as to the offerings mentioned, uh, where Jesus said again, offer for your cleansing uh, those things which Moses commanded, William Hendrickson explains, that offering consisted of two clean living birds. One had to be killed in its blood, 
in its blood, the other bird had to be dipped and then released. Interesting, isn't it? The blood of the slain bird was also sprinkled over the healed man. In fact, seven times. He was then pronounced cured. It is clear from the entire context that the cleansed leper passed the test. Interesting, okay? Now, I'm going to talk to you about this in a minute. Let me just give you the information. As to the significance of Jesus saying to this man, show yourself to the priest as, as a uh, testimony to them. Now, Jesus isn't religious. Now, you need to get this, okay? If you read this and you're thinking, my goodness, you know, this incredible miracle has taken place, and now Jesus says, go kill two doves and go show yourself to the priest and do all these religious things. Seems very contradictory. Listen, listen. See the significance, all right? Wait for it. Every detail of the offering spoke of Christ, first of all. It was the function of the priest to examine the leper and to determine if he had actually been healed. Get this? The priest had never seen a cleansed leper before. The sight was unique. It should have made him realize that the Messiah had at last appeared. It should have been a testimony to all the priests, but their hearts were blinded by unbelief. All right? You need to understand that this man has been known to be a leper. Okay? This man is now healed. He was so healed that I would say to you that people wouldn't recognize him had they seen him five minutes before and after he was cleansed. Because they would see him in his disfigured state and suddenly he's all perfect. He would be one of those people that they walked up to and said, Fred? Is that you, Fred? Weren't you a leper yesterday? You were a leper yesterday, Fred. Get away from me. Listen, the reason that he had to do this, the reason Jesus said it was, if the priest pronounced you clean, you are now clean. Remember before that you had to call out, unclean, unclean. And anybody who knew you, even if it didn't show so much, would have to call out unclean, because they know you were tested and you were found to have leprosy. Get it? So in doing this, it's basically you being freed from that chain of being called unclean from an authority that kind of stamped it and said, yep, Fred is clean. You can go shake his hand. He can come over for dinner. He can go to the synagogue and pray again and attend meetings again. Fred is clean. Get it? That's why he said, go show yourself to the priest. Because Fred needed, or this guy, okay, Fred. Okay, this, this guy needed, he wasn't Fred, okay, we don't know what his name was. But this guy needed to be pronounced clean, just like he was pronounced unclean. That verdict had to be reversed, so he could get around town again, without people freaking out. That's why Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. It wasn't anything religious. He had been freed and now he needed somebody with authority to say, this man is no longer unclean. He's actually clean. I've checked him out. He's fine. Amen? Did you get that? Okay. Hallelujah. All right. Let's move on. Notice also that in Jesus healing this man, he absolutely refuted any notion that this leprosy was sent by God to punish this man. Or anyone for that matter. For his or their sins. Now... This was something implied by the religious leaders at the time constantly. If, if something ever happened to you, if you got sick, you'd be like, what did you do wrong? And it was always this thing. They always had this kind of God is always judging you. And God is always sort of wanting to do something bad to you. And if you got leprosy, because remember again, leprosy was one of those things. You didn't get in you know, by going to a questionable place or anything. 
It was just something you got. You know, you, get a, you catch a cold, you catch a cold. You know, it wasn't that you went and did something naughty and you caught a cold. You know, you just caught a cold. You know, you know that sort of thing. Leprosy was the same thing. And so, but the religious mind is so amazing in that it's always looking. You know, as much as we know there's another realm that exists, as much as we understand that nothing comes for no reason, we also need to understand that if bad things are happening, it doesn't necessarily mean you've done something bad. Remember, a fall took place. Now, you weren't involved in that, but you are reaping the benefits of that, sadly. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So, if you don't know to go far enough back, then what you're going to do is go, you know, go to a place where you're saying, what did you do wrong? And you need to say, I have one word for you. Adam. <laughs> okay? It wasn't me, it was his fault. He started this. Now we're all in a mess. Now, if you have done something wrong, by all means, 1 John 1, 9. If you confess our sin, He's faithful and just, forgive it. And then He forgets it. I know people don't, but He does. Getting back to this. So, what we need to see here, and what I want to bring out now, is something very, very important. That Jesus, in healing this man, proved absolutely that God wasn't behind this. Listen now. Because otherwise God's working against Himself. In the beginning was a Word. The Word was with God. And He wasn't fighting with God. And when we say that the Word was with God, the actual Greek says it was the closest relationship that was possible. That was, that was a knowing and an understanding. Remember God is one because they are in agreement. They don't disagree on things. Do you hear what I'm saying? Even when Jesus was going to the cross... If there is any way. But there wasn't. So he went. There was no disagreement. Jesus didn't put his foot down and say, No, I'm not going. Forget about it. Get somebody else. You know, I've changed my mind. There was never a disagreement. There might have been a little bit of his there another way. <laughs> okay? But there was no disagreement. Are you all with me? Okay. So we need to understand that. That's why Jesus said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So in him healing this man was Him letting people know, this is the Father's will. You want to know what the Father is like? This is what He's like. Not what you guys have been saying. Now, as to Jesus' request that this man keep silent, He didn't heed it. He didn't listen, listen to Him at all. Okay? It goes in to say, Mark chapter 1, verse 45, we can't blame this guy too much. But you know, He didn't realize the consequences of what He was going to do. It says, however, He went out and began to proclaim it freely means he didn't hold back at all. Okay? <laughs> and to spread the matter to where Luke 5.15 says that the report went around concerning him all the more so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city. Watch now. See what's happening? But was outside in deserted places and they, that is the great multitudes, Luke says that, came to him from every direction with Luke then adding to hear and be healed by him for their infirmities. So, John MacArthur says this, The result of the leper's disobedience was that Jesus could no longer enter a city without being mobbed by those seeking to be cured of diseases. Now, that's only a part of it, because it says they did come to hear as well. Alright, hear and be healed. But you understand that what, what this has done now is forced Jesus out of the city. Because he could no longer enter a city. If he did, the, the crowds were so big, the city couldn't handle it. In other words... His fame as a healer was becoming a hindrance, listen, to his preaching mission. And remember that was in Mark 138. 
when he said to them, let us go into the next town or next towns that I may preach there also because for this purpose I have come forth. So one of the things that he came to do was educate people. He needed to let them know this is the truth. Remember he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. All right? They didn't know the way. They had been told lies. And a lot of that lies led to death. So he has come to show them the way. Tell them the truth. And bring them life finally. Amen? And that's exactly what he's doing. Now while Matthew and Mark end their account here, Luke goes in the same, Luke chapter 5 verse 16. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness, I love this, and prayed. The Spirit-filled Bible says that the Greek verb tense indicates that Jesus habitually withdrew for prayer. So even though it says it you know, here and there, and it doesn't bring it up all the time, when you're reading the actual, the original, you understand, you don't have to say it over and over again. Amen? So if I, if I say to you, with every next number that you see, add five to it, I don't have to say after that, add five to this, add five to this, add five to this. You know, think, yeah, dude, we got it the first time you said it. But not in our Bible. Because we didn't get it to begin with. Okay, it just says he withdrew and prayed, and we go, okay, once he prayed. No, that's not what it says. It says this was something he did all the time. Amen? Amen. In other words, Jesus shows us by example that regardless of how busy or unpredictable things get, nothing should get in the way of regular times and seasons of prayer. Alright, now I've said times and seasons for a reason. Let me just elaborate on that just a tiny little bit. There are times of prayer. Those are the times that you set for, for yourself you say, okay, you know, I want to pray once a day, whatever, okay? But then there are also seasons of prayer. There are times when you'll suddenly feel an urge, you know, for the next couple of days or a week or this month, I, I feel like I really need to pray more. Uh, something is coming or I, I just sense in my spirit that more prayer is needed. When those times come, you need to just follow that. Don't, don't back off from that because something is going on that you don't know and you don't realize. Now that happened with... Uh, um, the Reitzmers, you know, they were, uh, the, the night before the accident, they all were feeling to pray before they went to sleep. And every single one of them started praying. Interesting, alright? All of them just were praying in their own way. And they didn't tell the other person because that was just what they felt to do. So they just prayed. Find this out later and nobody had, you know, they started telling each other that and they said, oh, you were, so was I, okay? Because what happened with them was a miracle. It was literally a miracle of all the things that happened. The way that they could have turned this way or that way. All the things that, you know, later on after an accident when everything went wrong, you just think, oh, if only. You know, have you, you know, all the if onlys? Okay, when you pray, all the if onlys happen. You pray all the if onlys into being. Amen? And it's really interesting because they told me all the things that could have happened and should have happened and didn't happen. And they all prayed. There are seasons. The season may be one night. The season may be a week, a month, maybe a whole year. Okay, <laughs> whatever it takes. If you feel led, start praying. So as we continue on to Mark chapter 2, which is in chronological order from an overall point of view, William Hendrickson now writes, when one compares chapter 1 of Mark's Gospel with chapter 2, the contrast is striking. 
Chapter 1 is the chapter of glory. Chapter 2 of opposition. At first the scribes merely reason in their hearts. That's Mark chapter 2 verses 6 and 7. Okay? Against Jesus. Next, they complain about Jesus to his disciples. Chapter 2 verse 16. Afterward, they become bolder and protest, uh, uh, yeah, protest to Jesus himself. That's in verse 24 and onwards. Okay? So what we're seeing now is a shift starting to take place. Okay? And Mark is in, Mark's gospel is a short gospel. He just gets to it. He, he's like one of those action movies. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger type. He just starts it. It goes boom, 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 and we're finished. So if you want to read a gospel really quickly, Mark is the one you want to read. If you want to take a long time, find another one. No. <laughs> okay? There's three others. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, where are we? Okay. To introduce us to the next event, we'll be looking at Craig A. Evans, who writes, In this episode in which the paralyzed man is cured, Jesus encounters criticism from the religious leaders of his day for the first time. All right? Criticism comes not because of the miracle, but because Jesus declared the man's sins are forgiven. This episode is strategic since it shows the beginning of the opposition that will eventually lead to Jesus' arrest, trial, and execution. Alright, and so, when we come back, <laughs> we'll take a break here, because once I start, I can't stop. Alright, we'll take a break, we'll come back, and we'll spend the next half an hour dealing with this incident, beginning in Mark chapter 2 and verse 1. So take a break. <laughs> 